0: wxdx Pittsburgh. hear Pittsburgh being rallied against Le'Veon Bell. Because that's the easy way. But there are two sides to this story. I've heard and read everything that Ponce, DeCastro, and Foster said yesterday. And I think they came off as big babies. Especially Ramon Foster. Foster is a union rep. He shouldn't be preaching against the guy trying to get his money. That said... Bell is going to get what he gets whenever he reports. There is no negotiation. The franchise tag is his only option. If you're not a Steeler fan and looking at it from the outside, those old linemen went way overboard. That's what nearly everybody in the media, not from Pittsburgh, thinks. And it's what nearly every ex-player thinks, including former Steelers like Ike Taylor and Bryant McFadden. This is the Mark Madden Show. The city's ablaze. The town's on fire. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Madden X. Bell is a jerk. No question. This is hardly the first manifestation of Bell being selfish. He got suspended twice for pot. I don't recall any teammates speaking out against that. He won't play hurt like in the AFC Championship game two seasons ago. I don't recall any teammates speaking out against that. Bell missed the walkthrough before the Jacksonville playoff game last year. I don't recall any teammates speaking out against that. Guys like Ponce, DeCastro, and Foster let Bell do whatever he wanted for how long and said nothing. And now they expect him to be their expectation of a team player and get mad when he isn't. You know what the single biggest factor in this might be? The Steelers don't give guaranteed money past the first year. They offered Bell 70 mil over five years, but only the signing bonus was guaranteed. 10 mil. That's the Steelers' policy, and it's a policy also used by just one other team in the league. Given the current financial climate in the NFL, it's an antiquated policy and perhaps one the Steelers should update. Because for superstar players, it's all about the guaranteed money. So now, it's time for the Steelers to quit talking about it and just beat Cleveland. And if they don't, yikes. 412 333 9939 is the number to call got some great guests today. 400 wins. At 3.30, I'll talk to Upper St. Clair High School football coach Jim Render, the only coach in Whitfield history to get to that number, 400. At 4.15, we'll talk Steelers with Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette. Then at 5.15, we'll talk to Ralph Sindrich, former player for Pitt and the NFL, now a successful sports agent. We'll get his... Viewpoint on what's going on with Le'Veon Bell. That's Ralph Sindrich at 5.15. When Ponce DeCastro and Foster popped off yesterday, it just wasn't a good look. They sounded like stooges for management. They sounded like they were doing the Steelers' dirty work. I have never heard teammates go after a teammate like that when it comes to something concerning business. Uh, Bell posted the date 9918 on social media a while back and said, just be patient. 9918, of course, the date of the Steelers' opener at Cleveland. So he definitely implied he'd be there for game one, but a lot has happened since then, not least being the girly contract. Besides, a post on social media is not a blood oath. The nation that Bell needed to keep his teammates posted regarding uh, when he would report and what he'd be doing, uh, that's just laughable. He's not an employee right now. He's not a teammate right now. One thing that Foster and those guys don't get is that Bell has already moved on. He's a short-timer, and like I said weeks ago, this always had the potential to be toxic with Bell having one foot out the door. The offensive linemen just need to go block. Block. If they're so good, then Connor should be just fine. Connor shut up on time and he doesn't rap, so that's good for me. Uh, Bell's a jerk. I said that for years and you told me to shut up. I said you don't win with guys like that and now you all agree. Ha! But this is about business. This is about the servitude of the franchise tag. This isn't about rah-rah team spirit. This isn't about being all in for Super Bowl. The minute Bell got franchised for a second time, Le'Veon Bell was all in for Le'Veon Bell, period. Don't forget, Bell got franchised twice. Twice. He was supposed to be a free agent, and the Steelers cut him off at the pass twice. You'd be pissed too. People talk about the money. Oh, $12 million last year, fourteen point five this year. That's a ton of money for playing a kid's game. And it is. But maybe Lev Bell just doesn't want to play in Pittsburgh. His teammates obviously don't like him. All that vitriol didn't just germinate yesterday out the clear blue sky. So once again, the Steelers are in turmoil. It's not shaping up as the year you want it to be. But this is uh, n- n- nobody's fault. It's like a Mexican standoff. No guns you, no guns me. Negotiation is not allowed Bell can show up when he feels like it. Anyway, this ain't going away, and I love it. God help me, but I do love it so. 412-333-9939. I, I'm already getting tweets. Are you going to talk about Le'Veon Bell all the time? Yeah. Yeah, I am. What else are we going to talk about? Actually, there is one item of, of note regarding the Steelers. Dale Lolly of com reports The Terrell Edmonds is going to start at strong safety on Sunday at Cleveland. Uh, Edmonds, of course, is the Steelers' first-round pick this year. I like that decision. He's around the ball all the time, and that defense needs playmakers. I would like the decision more if it meant they were going to use three safeties and get one of those jabroni inside backers off the field, but that's not how it looks. So the bad news there is Morgan Burnett is the third safety, a backup, and the Steelers were certainly hoping for more than that when they signed to Morgan Burnett out of free agency. A bizarre photo on Twitter today. Brett Keisel tweeted a photo of himself, James Harrison, and Willie Nelson and Willie's wife. And Kiesel said, thanks to James Harrison for introducing me to to Willie Nelson. I just never pictured James Harrison and Willie Nelson being close friends. I mean, for one thing, Willie Nelson's white. For a second thing, he smokes pot. I just don't picture James Harrison. And the picture was on the tour bus. That place had to have been permeated with marijuana smoke. Kiesel, I wouldn't put it past Kiesel. But James Harrison, I don't see it. Hey, we got to play this soundbite. Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Stephen A. Smith today, this is just tremendous. Uh, y- y- you got to hear the verbiage. He rips the Steeler locker room apart for taking Levy on Bell to task. Here's Stephen A. Smith on ESPN.
1: A lifelong Steelers fan. I've been in this locker room on many occasions. I've got. A lot of respect for them brothers out there, but I don't respect what they did to Le'Veon Bell yesterday. I thought it was as weak as it gets. I think they should be ashamed of themselves right now. It was a straight-up punk sucker move. I'm going to call it what it is. You don't do that to this man when you know that he's trying to get his money. This is what we're talking about here. This is not somebody that got in trouble off the field. This is not somebody that's been acting like a hooligan or an irresponsible juvenile or anything like that. This is a man that plays in the National Football League, surrounded by a bunch of contemporaries who never hesitate to remind us all about the importance of getting your money. Understand that I don't have a problem with the words that have been articulated. Had they come from Kevin Colbert, had they come from Mike Tomlin, had they come from Steelers ownership, it would make sense. But from players who recognize that they play in a league devoid of those guaranteed contracts.
0: Three things stand out uh, for that soundbite. One is Stephen A. called it a straight-up punk sucker move. I'm not sure what that means, but it really sounds bad. second is, he talked about Le'Veon Bell, this man does not get in trouble off the field. Except for those two marijuana arrests. And then, where'd that guitar come from in the middle of it? That's from ESPN's first take. Like that, almost like funk guitar, like Catfish Collins. You know, can we take him to the bridge? Steven, can we go to the bridge? Where's that confounded bridge? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Again, this ain't going away. You know what the Steelers really need? Uh, I'm going to talk more about this later. The Steelers didn't need DeCastro, Foster, and Ponzi to say what they said yesterday. It didn't do the Steelers any good. And the media is going to talk about this forever And how can the Steelers bitch about it when they threw gasoline on the fire yesterday? So we'll talk about that. But what the Steelers need is a win Sunday and for James Conner to have a big game. If they want to get past Le'Veon Bell, they need to win and James Conner needs to play well. I think it would be easier had they not said what they said, the three offensive linemen yesterday. But they did and now we move forward. You know what is going to be so ridiculous too? when they bitch about the media talking about it. This ain't a media thing. This is just exemplary. We'll talk about this later, too. Just exemplary of the Steelers being in chaos and turmoil all the time. Later on, I got a list for the last couple years, just the last couple years, that's all, of all the chaos and turmoil. I'm not sure I can talk about all of it. It, it, It's only a three-hour show. I'm Mark
1: Madden, 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden.
0: None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to
1: dumber. The X at 105.9.
0: Very sad to report that uh, the legendary actor Burt Reynolds passed away today. A lot of uh, polls up on Twitter debating the best Burt Reynolds movie ever. Uh, I narrow it down to two. Longest Yard which was just phenomenal on so many levels, the acting, the storyline, the execution. Burt Reynolds was easy to imagine as the football star gone bad. So I would rank longest yard number one. I would rank Boogie Nights number two because that presented Burt Reynolds as he was at the time. He had kind of gone to seed, past his prime, Jack Horner was kind of the porn version of the real-life Burt Reynolds, but uh, Burt was so great in that movie, and and it just gave him a lot of credibility late in his acting career that uh, I think he deserved. Then after that, Deliverance was just brilliant. Here's a movie that had an ensemble cast I thought Burt Reynolds was great in, and it's a great movie as well. Mystery Alaska. He played the judge, wound up coaching the... Mystery team in the game against the Rangers. So uh Burt Reynolds will be missed. I'm a big fan of his work. He wasn't Lawrence Olivier, but he was like a sex symbol. He could do action parts, he could do romantic parts. Just a, a very versatile star, and uh he will be missed. 99-39. Getting back to the Lev Bell situation, here's one thing to remember. The Steelers could afford to pay Bell what he wanted. They could have managed it under the cap, but the Steelers chose not to, which is fine, but they made their choice and now Bell is making his. I'm curious to see how Connor plays on Sunday. And I'm curious to see the reaction to how Connor plays on Sunday. If he's great, everyone will want to get rid of Bell. If Connor's terrible, people are going to hate Bell even more. And God frickin' Forbid the Steelers lose. Connor is a good number two running back, probably. And he's more than good enough to beat the Browns. But I'm not going to draw too many conclusions about Connor based on Sunday. Of course, the storyline there is the easy storyline. You can tell guys who want to do things easy in the media. The easy thing with Bell is to turn the tide against him, to rally Pittsburgh, to come down hard on Bell. That's the easy way. We're out of considering both sides. And with Connor, oh, he beat cancer. What a great kid. Let's rally around him. Having beat cancer will do him no good on Sunday or in his NFL career. Now he's either good or he isn't. Uh, but as far as rallying the city against Bell, where were you when I did it? I've been saying for years you don't win with a guy like that. The fans in this town are as bad as Ponzi Foster Castro. You stood by and ignored all the nonsense Bell pulled in the past, but this time he went too far, in your eyes, because it might mean winning less games. Your outrage now would be more palatable if you had expressed it about Bell in the past. Sunday is a crapshoot now. A.B. and Ben might well be rusty. That Steelers defense isn't very good. The line got cut in half from 7-3.5. to It's going to be a tight game. This is totally taking the focus off Pitt and Penn State, or as I like to call it, the tailgate party posing as a football game. You know what was a big turning point with Bell? For me. When he missed the walkthrough before the playoff game against Jacksonville last year. That showed that he had already checked out of Pittsburgh, and nothing bad that's happened since then should even remotely qualify as a surprise. Let's go to Frank in the car. Frank. You're on with these super genius. How you doing? Great. Hey, um, here's my question about Bell. I thought the Steelers should get a sign and trade right after they couldn't sign him to see if his agent can do that. Is it still late to do that now, or can they? Well, they could. They could trade that. him, but he would have to sign the franchise tag. He could not agree to a multi-year deal with another club. And I've been told the Steelers aren't going to trade him. They're not going to rescind the franchise tag. They're just going to ride this whole thing out with him. Uh, I think that's a mistake because, like you said, it it's foot already out the door. So I if he can get a number one. Well, point, it, it, think, what you know? was a mistake was letting it get to this and never anticipating for a second that it might get to this. One thing Steelers' management ownership deserves credit for, they clearly were blindsided by this. Not just the players and coach, but management and ownership, and they should not have been blindsided by this. You have to be prepared for every possibility. You have to have a feel for where a situation like this is headed. And the Steelers' ownership and management obviously did not. Let's go to Grant on 79. Grant, you're only super genius. Hey, Mark. Uh, nice talking to you. Uh, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. How complicit is Mike Tomlin
2: and Kevin Colbert for not Oh, Donna- I don't think
0: Mike Tomlin's complicit at all. I think he said the right thing since the situation uh, came to pass earlier in the week. I, I thought Tomlin said what needed to be said at the press conference, even if even if not mentioning his name in the opening remarks was, was a little bit transparent. Uh, I, I will say, though, that Colbert and ownership should have seen this as a possibility, and maybe they should have traded him. Well, what about Tomlin getting in front of this with his guys and telling them, Hey, you know, you're going to face... When's the last time Tomlin got in front of anything with his guys? When's the last ben, time Mike Tomlin uh, made his players say what they should? That's my point, exactly. Well, well hey, I, I'm, uh, Tomlin is not a disciplinarian. His teams lack focus. They've underachieved badly in the playoffs in the Bell, Brian, and Ben era. But we can say that till we're blue in the face, it's a waste of time because he has a job for life. Real quick, let's go to Zach. Zach, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. What's up?
2: Hey, uh do you think that, like, Le'Veon Bell, like, I know that, like, Pittsburgh fears, like, uh, another uh, team like New England grabbing him. But do you really think that, like, Belichick being the coach that he is and in control of
1: his team, do you think that he would put up with the annex of Levy on Bell, like would he invite that into his? I room? don't think
0: Levy on Bell would dare perpetrate those addicts and Bill antics in Bill Belichick's locker room. I think a lot of Steelers act like they act because they know they can get away with it playing for Mike Tomlin. Do you think like Levy on Bell was very similar to like the, the, the like how Des Bryant is, though? Do you think a lot of teams are like kind of staying away? From hey, your phone Des. sucks. Goodbye. Uh, I, I can't compare Levy on Bell to D. E. S. Bryant. Des Bryant's a career underachiever as a wide receiver. Le'Veon Bell is a very much in-demand running back who's still, if not smack dab in the middle of his prime, not too close to the end of it. Then again, all them carries. You never know when that takes its toll in a finite way. Uh, Mike Tomlin said today, by the way, regarding uh, yesterday, Bakari, the agent, said he'd like to know – how the Steelers intend to use Bell. And Tomlin said today, I don't communicate with agents on how I use players. I communicate with players. But he would not say if Le'Veon Bell had asked that. Uh, here's the thing. Once they sign Bell, they're going to load him up with, with carries, with touches. You know, I think that's, I mean, even more so because it's their last year with them. By the by, the way, here, here's a development, too, that, that a couple people brought up on Twitter. Bell probably needs to join the team for the last eight games just to be sure because the Steelers technically could put him on the exempt list the first two games he's here, and those don't count toward an accrued season. So if he showed up for game number 11 and they put him on the exempt list, they could franchise him again next year. Well, they still could do that, but but in this case, this year wouldn't count. But that said, do you think the Steelers really want to do that, keep him around against his will for third year? I think they'll be very content with him leaving when Le'Veon Bell does leave. Up next, he got his 400th win last Friday against Peters Township, the only Whitfield football coach to do that. He's the first. He'll be the last, too. That's one thing we'll talk about. From Upper St. Clair High School Football, it's Jim Render next on 105.9.
1: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jorel, Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um, Always great to hear from the Lady callers. TX at 1059.
0: My guest right now is the only football coach in Whippiew history to win 400 games from Upper St. Clair High School. He is Jim Render. Uh coach, congratulations on win number 400. Did it feel different than any of the other wins?
2: Well, yeah, I guess it did cuz you know, there was a you know, there was a lot of pressure really. Uh the media was all there and, uh, my sons had flown in from New York and Cleveland and there was just a lot of unwritten pressure and, and, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter we could have lost. Uh, the kids uh, fought hard and rose up and intercepted a pass and we punted them deep into the, their own territory. So, it, 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 you know, it was just a tenuous situation glad glad we got the win the kids were great but it's over that (laughs) part's over
0: well i'm I'm sure you're relieved by that but not too relieved because you want to win every game and mike white right in the post gazette that you're a sore loser do you think that's why you win so much coach is there a fear of losing
2: well there is a fear of losing uh you know i read one time uh a quote by Al McGuire, who said something to the effect that sometimes you build a monster and it winds up swallowing you. And uh, so, you know, there's times that where you know that I am coaching out of the fear of losing, or on the other hand, when we win, I don't always enjoy the victories as much as I should. So,
0: well, in that vein, do you enjoy coaching as much as you did because? That goes beyond the winning and losing. Obviously, there's the teaching, uh, there's the daily grind. I'm sure you appreciate that still.
2: I, I the journey's always fun, and uh, uh, I I have some players right now that that I really like as individuals, and uh, so that you know, and they're a good core group. They're close to one another. They're very respectful of the coaches, and they want to learn and they want to win. So. That that really helps.
0: Now, how good is this year's team? You're two and zero and ranked third in in Whipfield Class Five A. So i I don't think you're going to go two and eight.
2: Well, I hope not, because <laughs> that would kind of ruin the four hundred win thing, it, wouldn't it? it? It very definitely. I would be a miserable person. <laughs> and uh, but you know we're we're playing with a little target on our back every week and uh some of that is the tradition and, and some of it you know is whatever, but uh you know we're playing baldwin this week and and I know this is a big game for baldwin, and they've got they've got a better team than normal, and they've got some skilled kids that are excellent, so our kids have to understand that uh they're somebody's going after them every week.
0: Well, I think that's always been the case during your tenure at St. Clair, given your success, which we'll talk more about in a bit. Uh, but this is your 40th season at Upper St. Clair. How has the game of high school football changed in that time? And how have kids and the parents changed in that time?
2: Well, the game has changed because everybody has has developed some form of the spread. Uh, everybody seems to be passing the ball much more than they did when I – You know, started my coaching career, and and of course we we've adopted some of that ourselves. As far as the kids, uh, I think kids are still pretty resilient. Uh, In my opinion, they want structure, they want discipline, and uh, you know I try to give it to them. Now, parents there's there's a lot of helicopter parents you know they're always hovering <laughs> and uh so you know the this generation's a little bit different and uh you know we're going through it right now there's all the talk about should they call off school because it's too hot and uh i never heard of that you know growing up I, I i didn't know of a school that had air conditioning <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, you know, we never had an off day because somebody thought it was too warm.
0: Well, these days the coach is expected to talk to the parents and listen to the parents, and once upon a time, the coach really wasn't expected to do that. Uh, how much of that do you indulge? And, uh, boy, that's that's got to feel different for you all these years later.
2: Well, Mark, uh, when I grew up in Ohio, Woody Hayes had his phone number in the Columbus directory. <laughs> and, uh, and and I think Joe Paterno had his phone number in the state college directory. So my phone number has always been in the directory. If somebody thinks they need to talk to me, uh, they, they can get a hold of me. Now, I'm not always the most cordial person, depending on what the topic is, but, uh, uh, you know... You want to talk? Go ahead and call.
0: We're talking to Coach Jim Render, win number 400 on his career this past Friday night. Uh, will any coach ever win 400 games again? Uh, I'd say no because I think the era is just about over for that iconic coach that keeps a job for decades.
2: Well, I agree with you. I I, I don't I don't think my successor here at upper St. Clair will coach, uh, 40 years here. Uh, it just seems like that's the nature of the beast. And, uh, uh, a lot of young coaches with young wives, the young wives don't, don't want them, uh, away from home that much. So, uh, I, you know, I read your column the other day, uh, about, uh, that fact. And I, you know, I tend to agree with you. It's, uh, it's a tougher environment than when I started. And, uh, you know, to, to go that long would be kind of difficult.
0: Now, you've won five Whipfield titles and two state championships. Uh, does that meet what you think you should have uh, accomplished at St. Clair, Coach? Because Upper St. Clair has always been a higher classification school. And, boy, there have been some awful good teams come down the pike during your time there.
2: Well, I'm yeah, first of all, you know, we elected not to participate in the first state championship in 1988. Right, right. Central Catholic filled in. Yes. So we, you know, at least on paper, we should have won the first two, and and that would have, of course, given me three. But um, uh, it, it's uh, you, you're right that there's a lot of uh, a lot of competition out there, a lot of quality football programs, and. In my case, I've been blessed. You know, I've had a lot of great kids. Uh, not always major college football players, but excellent uh, high school players and kids that could uh, make changes in a short amount of time, which I think has been to our advantage to, to tw- uh, tweak every week. Uh, and so, you know, we use we use the assets that we have. And, uh, you know, I have... I'm, I've been well blessed.
0: Which team was your best ever, if you had to pick one?
2: Well, you know you're putting me on the spot there. That's what I
0: do, Coach. Come on.
2: <laughs> if I say 1989, the, the 2006 group's going to be upset, but <laughs> I will tell you this about the 1989 team. They were the first team in the state of Pennsylvania to win 15 games. And they those guys are still very, very close to one another uh, today. And I still keep in touch with a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I see them, you know, like Doug Whaley and Kevin Ory were here last uh, Friday. And uh, so I guess I have to admit that I'm a little uh, partial, you know, with those, the guys, the older guys from 89. Mike Quilley was here too. Mike Quilley intercepted a Couple of passes in the WPL championship game in 1989. So it was, uh, you know, it's it, that's been a special group, and uh, and everybody, I think everybody knows those guys uh, uh, would agree with that. Phil Dunn, you know, works for the Mascaro Corporation. The Mascaros, three of the Mascaros played for me, and and uh, Phil was a heck of a football player. No. So they're they're. Kind of on the special category, I guess.
0: Now, 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 here's another tough one, Coach, to put you on the spot. Who's your best player ever? I think I know who you'd say, but I'm going to let you say it.
2: You know that you're, you're trying to get me to say Sean Lee. <laughs> that's right. And if I say it, uh, <laughs> well, the proof's in the pudding for a person to be yeah, it a captain sure is, of the state it? and a captain of the Dallas Cowboys, so that's, you know, it's easy to say, you know, but I've had... You know, I've had some excellent, excellent football players here. You know, I mentioned Whaley. Whaley was the Quad A player of the year in 1989. And, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Ory went on to play uh, professional baseball uh, for the Chicago Cubs. And then, and then you know, Cullen Hawkins is our all-time leading scorer, and he, he was the fullback behind uh, Michael Vick at Virginia Tech. Nicky Cullen was in the record books at Virginia Tech. And uh, the Hondru brothers uh, that were just excellent players here, St. Clair. So I'm not going to just say Sean Lee and forget it.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, the reason I said Sean Lee, and like you said, Coach, his uh, accomplishments speak for themselves, but whenever I saw him play for Penn State and even now for Dallas, he still to this day just looks like a Jim Render football player. He just exemplifies the way I think you want guys to play.
2: Well, yes, he does exemplify how I want players to play. Uh Sean was in a he was in a his own category when he was here and 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 at Penn State and even even today, you know, uh somebody asked me uh Last Saturday I think it was if Sean Lee called and I said, No, Sean hasn't called, but I know he's <clears throat> I know he's thinking of me and, and he'll call when he has time. Well, Sunday afternoon <laughs> Sean calls, you know. And and in typical Sean fashion, he was at the cowboy workout facility on a day off, you know, they had played Thursday night and- See that's what I mean, a Jim Render type of player. <laughs> Well, you know, I can't take a lot of credit for Sean's uh, makeup. I mean, he uh, he's a standard because I wish they'd all do the things the way he does them. But you know, he was down at their facility uh, watching film and 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 training on a day off because he wanted to get a. He told me he says, "Well, I want to get a little jump on Carolina." So uh, he he. He, may, you may say that, and it's very nice of you to say that he's a Jim Rinder, uh whatever. But uh, he's he's his own man and has accomplished a lot because of his makeup.
0: Now, now you're 76, and and certainly don't look it. In fact, I expect you to outlive me, Coach. But how much longer do you want to coach? And and uh, the key follow up question there is: What would you do if you didn't coach? I think that's always the question that too often goes unasked.
2: Well, that's a great question uh, because, you know, you're right. When you're 76 years old, you, you do give some thought to, you know, how long am I going to go and, and when will I retire? And if I do retire, what am I going to do? So that's, you know, that's something that I got to address because uh, I enjoy, I enjoy getting up in the morning with a purpose and, and, and making my own mental list of what I need to do uh before practice, and so you know if you take that away uh you know I've got one friend that uh, uh that tells me, don't quit, don't quit, you'll die and uh that sometimes is a scary thought, you know, don't quit, you'll die so i i've I've got some things to to address and face.
0: Well, hopefully another whipple and/or state title uh, will come before that, Coach. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, four hundred wins is a big deal. You and I go way back, and I I couldn't be more pleased to see you get there again.
2: Congratulations! Thank you very much, Mark, and thank you for uh, you know the nice things that I know you've said a, about me on the on the radio. Thank well, you.
0: Well, all deserved. Like I said, four hundred wins certainly speaks for itself. That's Jim Render. Upper St. Clair High School Football. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.
1: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's
0: correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listened.
1: The X at 105.9.
0: Here's the headline at Deadspin.com. Steelers players trash levy on Bell and carry water for ownership. That sounds about right. Ponce, Foster, and DeCastro sound like stooges for ownership. Uh, Mikey and Big Bob said today on Kiss FM that maybe Bell has diarrhea and didn't want to risk getting on an airplane. I definitely know the feeling. Not only did the point spread drop for the game at Cleveland from 7 to 3.5, But the Steelers' Super Bowl odds went up. They were 19-2, now they're 10-1. Tonight is the official NFL opener. Atlanta visits the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia. I don't know if I see Philadelphia having a chance to repeat. But the Eagles are great in the trenches, both sides of the line, and that'll keep them in it. And Wentz is definitely a franchise quarterback. It's too early to call him a potential all-time great, but he might be. Uh, Mike Jones, who covers the NFL for USA Today, wrote, The Steelers' Le'Veon Bell problem has become toxic, and only the running back can resolve it if he wants to. Bell must reach out to those frustrated linemen and any other offended parties. Regardless of when he returns, he can apologize, express his appreciation for them, and explain his decision. Yeah, okay. Uh, question, Mr. Jones, what exactly is he apologizing for? He's not under contract, ergo he doesn't have to be there. What he has to check in with, with the Castro, Ponce, and Foster. Mom, dad, and the funny uncle, make sure they know where he is all the time. Don't miss curfew. Don't hang out with the bad kids. We need to know what you're doing. F that. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalservices.com. It's going to be amazing when Bell does return, which he will eventually, in week 12. What the locker room's going to be like, I can't imagine. Actually, I can't. I bet they welcome Bell with open arms. But if the Steelers are doing well, and James Conner's doing well, Then Tomlin is going to make Bell the backup. And Bell won't care. Because the idea of all this was to sustain less wear and tear. Uh, Ike Taylor, Brian McFadden, Maurice Jones-Drew, Brandon Stokely, all ex-players, a couple ex-stealers in there, came out on Bell's side. The former uh, all-time great running back, LaDainian Tomlinson, said he would do the same thing as Bell. This was always going to be a big deal. The Steelers needed to minimize that. But DeCastro, Foster, and Ponzi couldn't help themselves. One thing cannot be stressed enough. What DeCastro, Foster, and Ponzi said about Bell did the Steelers no good. No good whatsoever, not at all. All it did was turn up the heat and provide talking points that will be revisited for weeks and months to come. They needed to shut their mouth about Bell and praise James Conner, which is what Ben did. I'm told the Steelers will definitely not rescind the franchise tag. Definitely not. So, at some point, Le'Veon Bell is going to show up and be a Pittsburgh Steeler once again, however temporarily. Oh, here's an injury update. Vance McDonald didn't practice. He was limited yesterday, so the tight end is not looking good for the opener against the Browns. This game Sunday, it smells bad. It really does smell bad, doesn't it? In just 30 seconds, the path of rage continues. Going to keep talking about Le'Veon Bell. Going to keep talking about the Steeler reaction. Going to keep talking about Stephen A. Smith calling it. I want to make sure I have this right. A straight-up punk sucker move. The Steelers talking bad about Bell yesterday. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9 The X.